about a week ago, I did a video where I talked about my mobile editing process for both video and still photos using my iPad, and I had an enormous amount of requests to do something on LumaFusion. LumaFusion is the software that I use for editing video on an iPad. Thought about this and thought it might be kind of cool to take you through the whole process of what I do when I edit video. The first question people usually ask is, why would you want to edit video on your iPad? Well, because this is it. This is my entire computer setup. It's much smaller than this over here. It doesn't get hot. It's faster than my desktop setup. And so this has been just a huge game changer for me in the way I've been able to get productivity done this year when it comes to editing. And so I'm a big proponent of this and I want to walk you through my entire process. But first, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor today, who are the awesome folks over at Squarespace.com. If you need a website, Squarespace have you covered with an all-in-one solution for building beautiful websites, portfolios, or even a an online store. You don't have to know any code to understand how to use Squarespace. It features a wonderful award-winning drag-and-drop interface. You go over, you pick a template, you customize it till your heart's content. You add your fonts, your colors, your custom layout, and if you decide Squarespace is right for you, I can save you an additional 10% on checkout if you use offer code AOP. Once again, that offer code is AOP, and I want to give a special shout-out and thanks to the folks at Squarespace for sponsoring another episode of The Art of Photography. Okay, so I'm going to show you guys kind of start to finish of how I edit video on my iPad. And the app that I'm using for this is an app called LumaFusion. I'm going to go ahead and open that now. LumaFusion is a life changer for me. Uh, it's a nonlinear editor. And unlike iMovie, which gets real limited really quickly, um, I'm not a big fan of iMovie. Uh, this allows a lot more power and a lot more stuff that you can do with it. And this is a wonderful application. Um, LumaFusion also coincidentally is made up largely of people who used to work for Avid, which is really kind of interesting. Avid is a company that makes a nonlinear editor if you've never heard of it. It's kind of on a real pro level, so like television shows, movies, things like that. Uh, it actually kind of predates Final Cut and Premiere. Back in the days where computers were not fast enough to handle video, uh, you could buy an Avid system. And I remember they came with all these drives and processors that were all external, and your computer would kind of drive those from a distance. Anyway, it's a wonderful application. It's also astronomically expensive. And anyway, it's interesting that, that a lot of the people that are at LumaFusion or LumaTouch are former Avid people. I think that's kind of cool. So anyway, I've pulled it up here and I'm going to show you kind of how this works here and it's pretty intuitive. And so um, you have your timeline on the bottom there and you can see this is a, uh, just defaulted into this, this is a edit that I actually did yesterday for a video I did on the Panasonic S1 and S1R. And uh, if I could just touch and drag, you can scroll through your timeline. I can also pinch if I want to zoom in or pinch to zoom out. And another really cool uh, little shortcut here is if I double tap on the timeline but not on a clip, just in a blank space in the timeline, I can go in and out 100% really quickly. So double tapping does that, otherwise pinch and zoom if you want to narrow in on something. So um, let's go ahead and come in here and we'll get that set. Anyway, on the top left-hand side of the screen, I have all of my clips and that's my clip library. So all of my source footage is in there. And I, you can select between various uh, folders. I'll show you if you tap on the upper left icon here. Um, I can pull it off my Photos app. I can pull it off a of Narbox, WD, if you use something like that. I'm using my imported folder. And the reason I do that is the my workflow, and I'll show you at the end of this video, I 
use an external drive to back up my cards. I import that footage into here and then I put them in the imported folder. And what I like about that is you can access it through the files app that's on here. So you sort of have a file system. It makes it easy to clean up when I'm done with the project and I know where everything is and I can continue to put clips there as needed. But anyway, there, there are multiple sources that you can draw from. And on the top right, we have our viewer. So if I scroll through the timeline, and another thing is look how responsive this is. It's like there's no fooling around. You can just scrub right through. It, like working in LumaFusion is so fast. I absolutely love it. Uh, but anyway, I scroll through the timeline and you can see that because I'm scrolling through the timeline, that's what we're seeing in the viewer. I can also preview clips. So I'll just select a clip over here and you can see that clip will open in the viewer window and it's a little washed out because I recorded this in S-Log3. I'll show you how I deal with that in a second. Uh, but anyway, I can grab the timeline and I can set in and out points. You can either do it by clicking and dragging on this blue bar here or I can uh, come in here and tap and like select a point and let's say we want that to be our start point then I click this little button on the left and that is my end point and you can set the out point if I like go over here you can set an out point that way when I drag the clip into the timeline it only brings that little bit uh, which is nice I'm gonna go ahead and reset that so that is basically how LumaFusion is laid out now if I tap on the viewer window you're gonna get a little menu here and actually I need to be in the timeline. And you can see here that I do have other view options. So if you want to change your layout, this is kind of nice if you're working remotely, like in a coffee shop or something like that, and you, for some reason, have to work vertical, you can switch it around so you can change your layout so everything is customizable. So what we're going to do is actually start with a new clip. So on the top left of the viewer, I'm going to go to my clips that I've got in here. Or sorry, these are my edits. I'm going to go ahead and hit plus, and we're just going to, let's see, my project, we'll just call this uh, movie really highly interesting title there. You select your frame rate. I record everything at 23.98. It's really important to set that because you only have one frame rate for, for a, a video that you're doing. So anyway, in frame aspect, if you want to change that, I'm gonna hit the plus sign. We're gonna go ahead and set that up. And I have myself a blank project. Now, on the, uh, on the clip window over here on the top left, you can see that these are all my source clips. And one thing that I do is I record when I'm in a studio situation like this, I record my video and audio separately. So I'm using an audio recorder and a mic down here and my video is on the Sony a7 III over there. So what I need to do is match all my clips and my audio up. And so what you could do, this is really cool, if I just tap a clip, I can select clip by clip, or if you want to select multiple clips, what I'm gonna do is hit this little check mark that's right here under the viewer window, or sorry, under the clip window. And this allows me to select multiples. You can also select all. So I'm going to go one, two, three, four, and notice that it's numbering these. Let's just grab the first four for, for, for grins here. Um, but I can go ahead and grab all the ones that I want and it numbers them. So that's the order they're gonna be in. Now what I'm gonna do is I'm going to tap on the first clip. And once I see that it's got my little draggy thing here, I'm going to bring that down to the timeline and release. And I have just put a clip on the timeline. I'm gonna double tap. Go back to the beginning and now I'm going to grab the first four audio files because they're all in sync here and so what I'm going to do is go into here I'm going to select the first one let's hit so we can select multiple one two three four I'm going to go ahead and grab those tap till you see the green bar I'm going to drag that to the bottom so just I may have not mentioned it earlier but quick lay of the land here video clips are on the top audio clips are on the bottom what I need to do now is sync these up. And here's a little bit of a limitation in LumaFusion is they don't have a feature for syncing audio automatically yet. You gotta do it visually. One way that a lot of people do this is to give a really loud clap at the beginning of a video. And then, you know, you have a little spike that you can match up waveforms. You can do that if you want, but I've also found it's pretty easy if you go in here 
you can kind of see when they're synced up or not. And so I can see that the audio is a little happening before the video audio and I want these synced up. So what I'm gonna do is I'm going to tap and hold. And then when you move it around, I can just basically bump that clip over. Looks a little better. Let's go in there, really make that tight. It just takes a second. It's not the end of the world. See, it's a little behind now. So I'm gonna click and drag and bring it right under there. That looks pretty good. And now I might go ahead and play that. And uh, yeah, my audio is in sync. Sorry, you're probably not able to hear that because I don't think it's pulling it off the screen recording. So anyway, now my audio is in sync. Now I'm ready to do further work on this. So what I'm going to do is pinch and zoom. And first thing I need to do is I need to color correct this clip. I typically do one pass at color correction at the very beginning. The reason I do that is I'm about to make a bunch of cuts. And if it's just a talking head interview like this, then I don't have to do a lot of cutting and pasting later. It's just done once. And then sometimes there is a change and I'll show you how you can cut and paste. It's a really nice feature in LumaFusion. But what I wanna do is I wanna de-log this footage. So what I'm gonna do is double tap. You can select a clip by single tapping. I'm going to double tap on it and it's going to go into the clip editor, and here we are. Now, this interface is a little bit different. Right now, we are defaulted into the audio, and how do you know? Well, if you look at the bottom of the screen here, you're gonna see four little icons. The one that's blue is highlighted, that's audio. So I can go audio, I can switch over here to crop and reposition that clip if I want, I can adjust the speed on that clip if I want, and we're gonna do that in a second, but not on this one. I have audio, and then finally over here, I've got my color correction. Now, when you go into the color correction, you're going to see on the editor panel over here on the right, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven categories. The seventh is favorites, but I have a lot of options in here. This first one is just basic color corrections that you can do. If I go to the second one, it's going to be LUTs. Uh, and then you get into effects, sharpening and blurring, and you can even key if you're shooting on a green screen. So I'm going to go in here, and, and I know I'm racing through this because I've done it a bunch, but typically what I will do for log footage is I use a LUT to correct that. And then I usually put an adjustment layer before the LUT. You can also do it after, and I have a whole video on the difference between the two, but I found that I trust this LUT that I've put together uh, quite a bit, and the changes that need to be made are usually if the camera's slightly under or overexposed. So what I'm gonna do is in order, and you can drag and drop these to reorder them, I'm just going to tap on original here, and you can see that that sets up some levels adjustments. Then I'm gonna go over to this little cube here, and these are where my cube LUTs are. And I have one for S-Log3 that I use that I'm gonna go ahead and select. You can also bring in your own custom LUTs. That's what I have here. I put them in Dropbox, and there's a quick way to bring them in. There's a little, uh, this little door with an arrow on it uh, right here next to the little status of green lights that shows you how much processing power you're using. And I can use that to import LUTs. I usually drag and put them in Dropbox and then like assign this to Dropbox and give it permission and then I just bring them right in. That's how I did this one. So um, you can toggle these on and off. You can uh, click on the little arrow to get more options on them. But like if I turn the LUT off now, you can see that that's the pre-footage. It's all washed out. Now I have my LUT on, it's a little after. That needs to be brightened up just a little bit. So I'm gonna come into my adjustment here, take my brightness and just bring that up a hair. Looks pretty good. I can adjust contrast. If your white balance is off, you can do, you know, scroll down and you can see all your color corrections that you can do here. You can tent it. There's a ton of options. So now that I have that done, I also need to turn off the audio on the camera clip. That's just for syncing purposes. So I'm going to hit the audio tab here. I'm going to go over here. It'll say volume. I'm just going to drag that to zero. And so now what I'm going to do is go back out and I can take that and I can cut and paste this. We have four clips in here. I don't have to do that for each individual clip. So what I'm going to do is with the clip selected, click on this little suitcase icon or the little toolbox here. I'm going to go down to clip. It's at the very bottom. I'm going to touch that and I'm going to say copy. 
Now I've copied all of those adjustments to the clipboard. I select the next clip over. I select clip and now I'm gonna say paste and it pastes them right on. So this is a huge time saver because my lighting did not change during this entire uh, setup here and I don't have to go double tap to turn volume off and fool around and do all that. The other thing you can do is you can set these up as presets and a preset just ends up being one click. It's a really cool thing to do and I have some of those set up. I'll show you on the audio in a second. I'm in the studio all the time so it's like my lighting doesn't really change. My audio conditions don't really change so presets can help you immensely. Even if you're filming outside you can kind of do presets that at least give you a starting point. Keep you having to repeat stuff over and over. So now that I have those set up I'm going to Pardon me, I'm going to take my audio layer here. I'm going to double tap on that. And you're going to see that there's a ton of effects that you can put on here. There's bandpass filters, there's distortion, delay. The big ones that you're probably going to be wanting to be interested in just for voiceover stuff like this would be the dynamics processor that's going to add compression into it. You're actually hearing that on this mix now because I'm going to edit all of this on the iPad when I'm done. And then the other one would be EQ. If you need a little more low end, you need less top end. And so I have these set up as presets. So if I go over to the star here, I'm going to see my presets. Here's my Sennheiser voiceover. I also have an Epidemic Sound volume. I use Epidemic Sound for all my music stuff. If you're interested in them, highly recommended. There's a link in the description. Basically, it's a monthly plan and it's all you can eat audio. So it's like great for getting music for all your videos. They have a huge catalog. But I've noticed that when I bring in those MP3s, sometimes the volume is a little hot. And so my epidemic volume is a preset for that just so I can turn it down. But I'm doing the voiceover now. So what I'm going to do is tap Sennheiser volume. And it's you can see it just popped the effects on there and I'm good to go. So now when I come back out, I'm going to cut and paste that across all of my audio files. So clip, copy, and we'll go ahead and paste it so on and so forth. Do two more here, clip, paste, and then finally the last one, clip, paste. Also, if you're wondering, you can see there's a little icon there that's showing you you've applied effects to that layer, so that's very, very useful. So at this point, I have the talking head portion of this video done, and what I need to do now is go through and edit this because there's a lot of different takes. I, the way I record, I tend to take things in chunks of information, and so I'll be talking about something, and sometimes maybe I mess up or something like that, and then I start and I do that chunk again. I don't have to redo the whole video. I used to do that back in the old days. But anyway, the power of editing. So what I need to do now is go through and cut this up and make sure it's exactly the dialogue that I want. The way I do that is I edit backwards. I start at the end, and the reason I do that that is because I might have three different takes of something. Well, it doesn't make much sense to start at the beginning because I won't remember how many takes I did of whatever section it was. So I start at the end and I work backwards. Now, in terms of editing and making your cuts in here, uh, it's a very intuitive app. Once again, if you've done any work in an editor before, uh, people ask me if I like to use the Apple Pencil. And I have one, and I'll be honest with you, um, I actually like the fact that it's multi-touch and I can pinch and zoom, so I just use my hands for all this. It goes really quick. Uh, some people like to use the pencil. Your mileage might vary. The other thing is if you have the optional keyboard, there are the usual keyboard shortcuts, so I've got that hooked up right now. So, for instance, if I want to cut right here, I can uh, just do Command-B for blade and notice it put a cut point in there. Um, I can also undo Command-Z. So there's ways that you can use the keyboard. Spacebar starts and stops. Um, I just like to use the screen. The other reason I like that is because the whole point of this is that I'm not chained back here in the office. So I can go up and I can edit in the living room on the couch. I can go to a coffee shop. I can, I, when it's nicer, I hope to take this outside. So the less stuff I have to bring along is really the better. If you're used to working with the pencil, that's one more thing that potentially you could forget. That's just my philosophy towards all of this. But um, anyway, that's basically what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go ahead and make my cuts and then I have all of my talking head straightened out. And so I have everything in line. The next thing I might wanna 
to do is go in and put some B-roll in here. And I'm going to show you what I've done in this particular instance because it's kind of interesting. I shot some clips at 60p or 60 frames a second because I want them to look over cranked. I want to see the slow motion in the end. And I'm going to show you how you put those in. So if I scroll through my clips here, let me get down here and we'll grab, uh, let's see, let's grab one of these. Um, this one's good. So these were done on the S1R, believe it or not, which is the 50 megapixel or the 47 megapixel version of this camera. So I have this footage here of this, uh, you know, 1930s flapper looking girl here. And what I've done is I've shot this at 60 frames a second. My final movie is at 24 frames a second. So if I just drag and drop it and put it onto the timeline, what LumaFusion will do is it will just kind of play it back as if it were a 24 frame a second um, clip, but I don't want that. I want it to look slow-mo. So what I'm gonna do is I'm going to double tap on that clip and I'm gonna show you how you can conform the frame rate. With the clip double tapped on, make sure that you select speed and reverse here. And this allows me to manipulate that video. So right now you're gonna see this timeline speed and I'm at one X down here. There's a little line that's over here on the left-hand side and that's where the frame rate of your edit is. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna drag and, or I'm just gonna drag this little slider down. It's gonna snap into place at roughly 40 or 0.4 X, 0.40 X. Now I have conformed the frame rate. So I've taken 60 frames a second and made it longer so it conforms to 24 frames a second now it will play back at slow motion so if I come back out of here I'm going to go ahead and hit play here and you're going to see that yep we have slow motion it is and it looks really good um, these Panasonic cameras are just unbelievable so that's what I would do there and the other thing I need to do is make sure I turn the audio off on that clip I forgot to do that and uh, you can't hear it but I certainly can let's go to audio let's Make sure the volume is zero. And now I can cut and paste those to any other 60p clip that I have. It will conform them, turn the volume layer off, so on and so forth. So that's how I'm going to put my B-roll over the top. The other thing I can do is I can add images as B-roll. I'm going to go up here. Let's grab a still and uh, let's grab this one. This is a cool, uh, cool shot. This was done with the 50 millimeter f1.4 lens which is awfully bookalicious. So I just dragged it and threw it on the timeline. And if I double tap that, you're going to see with still images, what you might want to do is go select frame and fit. Whoops. And hit fit mode here. And you can see that you've got fit to image, which leaves the bottom layer exposed. I can fill the image. I can also put a focus somewhere. You can stretch it. So what I might do is go adjust how much of the frame I want that to film. Uh, fill, once I'm done, I'm going to go back out. And now we have stills here. And again, you can just touch and drag to move things around on the timeline get it exactly how you want it and uh, that's how you build your edit that's typically how I work I'll do all my talking head footage first then I go back and I make cuts and then once that edit is finalized then I go decorate with my b-roll uh, a lot of times there's something illustrating something I'm talking about and I filmed it that way so anyway that's how I put that together the next thing you're gonna need to do is export your movie and this is my favorite part because it's so fast like on my computer if I put something in the compressor or even Adobe's media app, it just, first of all, it takes forever. It's also, you know, draining every ounce of processing out of my computer. The fans start up. It sounds like it's about to take flight. And so that's... <laughs> That's a thing that you don't deal with on the iPad. Nothing gets hot and it goes fast. And so you're going to actually notice that it goes a little faster than real time. So to export a clip, here's what you're going to do. I'm going to go to the top right of the viewer here and you're going to see the little door with the exit arrow there. That's how I'm going to get out of here. So I'm going to go ahead and tap that and I'm going to say share. I'm going to say you, get, you have 
options here. There's movie, which is what we want. You can also do audio only if you're going to go edit your audio in another application, which is kind of cool. You can actually export a project archive. So if you want to back it up and be able to bring it back in for editing later, it's kind of cool. And then also snapshot that does a screenshot. And sometimes if there's something that I want to be the thumbnail on my video, I'll go ahead and export it as a screenshot. It takes a screenshot of the current frame and puts it on the photos roll. But I'm going to go movie in this case. And you have many options. I can direct upload to YouTube if I want. Typically, I don't do that because I want to go back up the final edit somewhere. So I just go put it on my photos roll. And then you get some options here. I'm going to go out at full 4K resolution. You can change your frame rate, although I wouldn't recommend that. You really want to get that close when you're editing. The third one is video quality. I think this one's important. So the standard is 50 megabits per second. This is how much data you are moving every second. And so if I click on that, you've got some other options. And I can actually take this all the way up to 150 megabits per second. Put it this way, YouTube's recommendations for uploading a 4K video at 24 frames a second is about 30 megabits a second. So 50 is just fine. So that's, I tend to go with the standard. The other ones could take a little bit longer because you're processing more data and it also is contingent on what you're feeding it. So if you have really high data rates in your source video, maybe you'll preserve a little more of that. But uh, I typically just go out at the standard 50. You have some choices in Kodak. I can do H60, H264 or I can do HAVC. Um, I'm going to leave that at H264 because I want it to be pretty compatible. Uh, audio quality, file format, so on and so forth. I kind of leave those all at default. Then you go back up to the top and I'm going to hit this little button again and you're going to see it starts writing the movie. This one's 12 minutes long and you can see that the seconds are popping by a little faster than that. I'm going to cancel this because I don't want to sit here for another 12 minutes with you guys. So you're going to, have to take my word for it. Once that's done, it's on the camera roll. And then what I will do is rather than upload from the iPad, I want to be able to do that, but there is a big limitation and it is the YouTube app. It drives me nuts. And so the limitation in the YouTube app, you've got to go into the settings, tell it it's a 4K video, but then in the YouTube app, you can't do your cards or your end cards. And so that's kind of a big problem for me. So what I'll do is I'll bring this back to the desktop and I'll upload from there. So hopefully we're getting a little closer to that. You think YouTube would have that sorted out if anybody would. It's not LumaFusion, it's actually the YouTube app. So put it on the camera roll, airdrop it to the desktop, then I upload, do all my stuff, and that's how you edit in LumaFusion. One last thing that I want to address because this gets asked a lot is how do I get video files from my Sony cameras over to the iPad? And you can use something like this, which is a device made by WD. This is the WD Passport SSD. I didn't particularly care for this. Narbox does the same thing, but the problem with these devices is that they will work and they integrate straight into LumaFusion. So with your Wi-Fi connection, LumaFusion will actually talk to these drives, which is cool. What I don't like about them is they're both Wi-Fi based, this and the Narbox. And so that creates a problem because if you have enough 4K video, or even if you have a lot of HD video in 1080 that you're trying to move, it's just gonna be so slow to move over. And so even with the five giga gigahertz bandwidth connection that you can get off of this, it wasn't particularly for me. Other thing I don't like about the WD is this drive is a Windows NT formatted drive, which I have no idea why they set it up that way. So this basically means if you just have some video files or stills or whatever on your Mac and you want to move this over, you're not going to be able to write to this drive without installing drivers and going down that road. And if you reformat this drive, it doesn't work. So that was a no-go for me. So went back to the drawing board and I found this device, which is kind of the same thing. This is a device that's co-branded by LaCie and DJI. It's the CDJI Copilot. Don't let the drone association fool you. It works with any camera. And it's the same principle. Basically, you've got an SD card slot, stick the card in, it will back it up automatically. The other thing I like about
about this is it gives you at least an interface here. So I can see how much uh, storage is left on my drive. I can see my battery life that's left and I can see my progress as I'm copying video files over. It's a huge plus. The other thing I like about this is it provides a wired connection. So I have a USB-C cable on here now. I can also switch this over to lightning if that's what you've got. And so um, this is the way to go because it's not still as fast as it could be because Apple won't open up that port to be any faster, but it is the fastest transfer speeds that you are going to get. The other thing that I like about this device is it has drastically changed my workflow and made it more efficient. Now, on an iPad, your storage could be limited, and technically it's limited on desktop or a laptop as well, but most people don't pay attention to that. So this is going to get you into some really good media managing habits. So essentially what I will do is I will take a card when it's full of video, and stills, whatever it is, and I stick it in here. It backs it up and that is really cool so now I have a backup of it so when I go to the iPad I just import footage from here and I leave it on here I don't delete it and so I will work on the iPad and really because I can keep probably uh, with a 500 gigabyte iPad I can keep about three projects depending on how long they are going at one time so I clean them off and when I'm done I'm not worried about having that footage be permanent and then about once a week I actually go through this and I will put it on my RAID drives I'll back up all the footage that I want to save other cool thing about that is I don't save everything like talking head stuff like this, I won't ever have a need for again. I will save a copy of the final video, but I don't save my source footage with all my outtakes. So basically what I will do is I will save B-roll. I will save um, vlog footage if I'm on the road or something like that. I can decide what it is I want to keep. And then I clear this off and then that's the whole process. So media kind of lives here till it gets onto the RAID drives, and then I use this to get it onto the iPad too. So it's kind of a win-win. So if you have any questions about any of this stuff, please leave me a comment below. I hope this video was helpful to some of you. And uh, I'm going to do another video uh, probably next week on my still images workflow with Lightroom, if you guys are interested in that, so stay tuned. So anyway, I will see you guys in the next video. Until then, later. Yeah.